messages this morning. We're going to begin in Psalm 29. We'll begin there and move through several passages this morning. This is the 11th in a series of messages that were intended to be two or three on uh, the local church. And as I mentioned, and I stress again each Sunday that I am not uh, preaching about other churches. We're preaching primarily to our congregation here at West Lenore uh, as we look for a biblical basis, a biblical guideline for local church membership, being a part of the covenant body of Christ as we are going through that in our church family, that we would understand what it is to be a part of a church, understand our responsibilities, understand the accountability, and understand the importance of what it is to be together, uh, to worship together, to, to share our possessions together, our love, our burdens, to be a part of the family of God. The culture is rapidly changing. Of course, it always has. Uh, church, and when you use that word, that is the culture is having a great impact upon the church. Uh, liberal theologies having a great impact upon the church. Old-time religions had a great impact upon the church. There's a lot of things that have had an impact upon the church, and many times these things are not biblical. They may have elements of things that are biblical, but for our desire this morning, it is that we be biblical in all that we do, that our Lord would be glorified. The psalmist said the earth is the Lord's, and it is. It belongs to Him. Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We have read over the past several weeks that the church belongs to Christ. He loved her and gave Himself for her. So God is sovereign over His creation. Christ is sovereign over His redemption. We, we, are not, we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ. And the church, it belongs to Him. I am blessed to have dozens of books on the subject of worship. Of course, the greatest book I have on the subject of worship is the one that you're holding there on your lap or looking at the words of it. Uh, it's a book that is the final authority on worship. It was written by men inspired of God. There's no error in God's Word. It speaks very clearly and specifically on the subject of worship. And I want to begin this morning by looking at the local church and our corporate worship. Uh, what it means when we gather together to worship and to honor the Lord. We'll begin in Psalm 29, if you want to find your place there, uh, here in Psalm 29. My purpose this morning is not to start an in-depth study on the subject of worship, although that is needful and would be beneficial, and hopefully we can pursue that in the coming future. In, but in keeping with our focus on the local church, I want us to look at the Scriptures, a few of them this morning. We'll probably continue on this theme next Sunday and see the importance of corporate worship at Wesley Lord Baptist Church, just how important this really is. Psalm 29, verse 1, 
and verse number 2. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And then if you'll turn to the New Testament, book of Ephesians, chapter number 1, and I want to read verses 3 through verse 14, where Paul uses a phrase three times in this particular section. He will use it in verse 6, verse 12, and verse 14. And the phrase will be pertaining to the praise of His glory, or to the praise of the glory of His grace. The psalmist has just told us that we are to give the Lord glory and strength. We're to give glory to His name. We are to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. And now the great Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, magnifying all the wonderful things that God has done for them in redemption and salvation. And he mentions this three times, that they are to give praise. They are to give all of this. Everything that's been done for us and with us is to the praise of His glory. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself." that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in Him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. The psalmist tells us that all, are to give glory and honor unto the Lord. We are to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. We are to give unto the Lord. We are to give unto the Lord glory and strength. And then the Apostle Paul reminds the Ephesian believers and those of us who have been saved this morning that everything that God has done for us is to the praise of His glory. Glory is the sum total 
of all the attributes of God. If you were to add 2 plus 2 and come up with 4, or 2 plus 2 plus 2 and come up with 6, you would be adding numbers and coming up with a sum, and that sum would be 6. If you are to add the love of God, the patience of God, the kindness and the mercy of God, if you're to add up all of God's attributes, you would come up with glory. Everything that He is, it is the sum total of everything that God is. And Paul is saying that when we gather to worship, we are gathered here today not to come up and glorify what we are, but we are gathered here today to give glory unto everything that He is and who He is and to praise Him for all that He has done. If you look around in here this morning, you should be able to see the mercy of Almighty God. There are people sitting here this morning who, if you would be honest with God, you would know that you would not be here today, physically or spiritually. You would not be here today were it not for the long-suffering and the mercies of Almighty God. All around this room this morning are portraits of God's grace, portraits of God's kindness and mercy and love and tender-heartedness and compassion toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and gave Himself for us. When we gather, we gather together to worship and to honor God. What is worship? Well, back in Psalm 29, verse 1 and 2, the word worship there in that text means to bow down. It means to prostrate oneself before a superior. When men worship God, they bow before Him. He is the superior and we are the inferior. We are the finite. He is the infinite one. Simply stated, it is giving unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. And that's what the psalmist is speaking about. But what are we doing here this morning? What does the local church do on the Lord's day? What is the primary thing that the local church does on the Lord's day? We gather to worship and to honor God. Corporate worship is the collective gathering of the body of Christ. About five hours ago, we were not gathered together. We were scattered. We were in our homes, or some maybe were at work, or doing different things. But here this morning, in this particular time slot, we have gathered together as the local body of Christ. And we have gathered to worship God. We have gathered to give glory unto His name. When I talk about corporate worship, I'm not talking about the business mentality. I'm not talking about the business world. Get that word out of your mind. I'm talking about regenerated believers. I'm talking about converted sinners who are now saved by God's grace. Those who are truly saved that have physically gathered for the express purpose of worshiping the one and only true God, Jehovah God, worshiping Him through the redemption of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of the third person of the Godhead, which is the blessed Holy Spirit. All men were created to worship God. But Christians are not only created, we are redeemed. We have been bought with a price. And we are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which belongs unto the Lord. I can understand a culture in a lost world who worships the, uh, the creation more 
than the Creator. I can understand that because they are lost and they, they have no desire to worship God. They are still accountable to worship God, but they have no desire to worship God nor to meet with His people to worship God. What we do not understand are people who claim to be saved by God's grace, who claim to know the joy of redemption and salvation, and yet have no desire to worship the God who sent His Son to die that we might have everlasting life. You say, well, preacher, I'm saved, but I worship God in my own way, not according to the Scriptures, not according to the Word of God. You and I did not set the boundaries for worship. You and I do not determine how we worship. You and I do not set the standards of worship. God did not leave that up to us. He set those boundaries. He set those standards. And He set those measures Himself clearly in the Word of God. And on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, the Lord's Day, it is appointed in Scriptures and commanded in Scripture that those who have been saved by God's grace gather together to worship Him. And we do that in local congregations. We're gathered here this morning for that purpose. Preacher, is that the only way you can worship? No, there are other acceptable, other biblical ways of Christian worship. There is family worship. There is private worship. I hope you experience both of those in your life. There is worship in other ways. For example, preaching for me is an act of worship. If preaching is not an act of worship, if it's not viewed as such by your pastor, then the church may end up worshiping the preacher rather than worshiping God. Martin Luther writes, and I quote, When I declare the Word of God, I offer sacrifice. End quote. There are a lot of ways in which we worship, but none of the above that I mentioned, family worship, individual worship, even me worshiping as I'm preaching, giving to God, the sacrifice of my study and my words and all that I've prepared, none of that takes the place of corporate worship. If I would just go by myself somewhere today and stand on a mountaintop and declare the Word of God, I might be able to worship Him. But on the Lord's Day, I'm not to be gathered on a mountaintop somewhere by myself. I'm to be gathered with the people of God, gathered together, all who have been saved by God's grace, worshiping and adoring Him together. I submit to you that I could not have sang like we sang a while ago were it not for the gathered body of Christ. I submit to you that what I've given this morning could not go near as far to spread the gospel as what we have given collectively as the body of Christ. I encourage you to understand this today. There is no way that you can be as encouraged looking in the mirror at yourself as it is to be around people who love God and who are saved by God's grace, who pray for you and love you and support you and want the very best for your life in Christ. He has a purpose in the corporate gathering of the body of Christ. The coming together of God's people is stressed in both the Old and the New Testament. Listen to the psalmist in Psalm 100, verse 1 and 2. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Listen to the words. Come before His presence with singing. He is talking about a corporate gathering of the Old Testament believers. Come before His presence with singing. The New Testament writer writes to he in Hebrews 10, 25, 
not forsaking, now listen to the language, the assembling of ourselves together. That is clear in both the Old and the New Testament. Preacher, give me more verses. Well, one's all it takes, friend. And, but there, I could give you more, but that's sufficient. Old Testament, they were to come before the presence of God collectively. New Testament, we are not to abandon the coming together of ourselves. The words in Psalm 100, come before His presence. And the words in, in Hebrews 10, 25, assembling together, they are without question speaking of the public and the corporate assembling of the people of God to worship and to honor Him. That is important. It is biblical. And for a New Testament church to be a New Testament church, the people of God must gather together. The Bible teaches it is important that we worship together because the local church is a family meeting with God. It's the covenant community gathering as God's people, with God's people, to seek God's face. We're gathered to glorify Him together. We are here to hear His Word together. We are here to pray together to Him. We are here to respond to His Word. And we are here to give praise back to Him and give unto Him the glory that is due under His great name. In the Old Testament, God's people gathered in specific places. They met with God in the tabernacle. They met with God later in the temple. And they met with God in Jerusalem. That's all through the Old Testament. But under the New Covenant, in the New Testament, God meets with His people and God manifests His presence wherever His people are gathered. And that's here this morning. God's people are gathered here this morning and God manifests Himself and God meets with His people. That's what He does. Who else do you think God's meeting with this morning? He's meeting with His people when we are gathering. You've heard me say before, it matters not that we be inside this building. We could be in a parking lot somewhere and the Lord would meet with us when we are gathered in His presence. I'm grateful for a warm and dry place uh, to meet together. I'm thankful for this uh, facility that we have to meet together. But God meets with His people wherever we are gathered together. You remember Jesus in John 4, whenever He met the woman there and discussed with her living water and salvation uh, and talked about uh, different issues there. In John 4, 21, he said to this woman, she wanted to change the subject. You remember about the adultery and about her sin? And she, the subject, switched over, you know, to, to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You remember I just said in the Old Testament they worshiped in the tabernacle, in the wilderness, in the temple when it was built. And at Jerusalem is where they worshiped. Jesus in John told this woman, the hour is coming. When you see that word hour in John's gospel, think about Christ. Think about the appointed uh, atoning death of our Savior on the cross. Jesus said to her, the hour cometh. He is saying to her, my death is approaching and my sacrifice is approaching. And once I die, once I sacrifice, 
Worship is going to be something entirely different than it ever was before. True worship is no longer connected to buildings. It's no longer connected to places such as mountains in Mount Zion or Jerusalem. It is connected to the living Christ whom we gather together today to worship and to magnify. Preacher, is He with us today? Absolutely He is with us. You say, I don't feel Him. It isn't about that. It is about His promise, and He is with us today. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I understand some people have raised the bar. And if a, quote, worship service doesn't elevate to their opinion of what the presence of God is, they walk out of the place assuming that God has been nowhere around. We have sang His songs. We are His people. We have given His offerings. We have fellowship with His body. We have read His Word. I am preaching His gospel. We are here today. He is here. When He is honored, when His Word is preached, when His Word is read, when His Word is taught, when His people gather, when we sing praises to His name, thank God He is there to meet with us and us to worship Him. New Testament worship is no longer tied to a geographical location. New Testament worship is no longer limited to a physical structure, but it's limited to a gathered people. Wherever the congregation of West Lenore is gathered, we are family. We're in covenant relationship with Christ. I don't know how many local churches there are in uh, Caldwell County. I, I really don't. I, I used to know in the other counties that I pastored in. I did my home church because I grew up there and then my first pastor was there 19 years. I could tell you how many were in the county and uh, Alexander County was much smaller. I have no clue how many churches there are in Caldwell County. But I'll tell you this, I'm not in covenant with any of them when it comes to worship. I'm in covenant with you. I came here and pledged my loyalty to Christ and my loyalty to this body of believers. We are coveted in together to worship and to honor and glorify God. If that doesn't mean something to you, then maybe Christ doesn't mean as much as He should mean to you. We come here to read the Word. We come here to teach the Word, preach the Word. We come here to sing the Word. Every song that's been sung here this morning is biblically accurate and biblically based. We come here to pray the Word of God, testify the Bible. Our testimonies should be truth. We come here to praise the Lord biblically, and we'll look at that in the coming weeks as to how we do that. And we're here to carry out the biblical ordinances of the Bible. Everyone here who is in covenant with this church has professed Christ as Lord and Savior, has followed Him in believers' baptism, and participates with us when we partake of the Lord's Supper. And we come with an open heart to His Word and to His will, and we are thankful for our brothers and sisters in Christ. The local church must have biblical corporate worship in order to glorify and honor God. That is the Scriptures, and that is why we meet together. Preacher, I don't have to have any of that to be right with God. My challenge to you is pick up your Bible and begin to read it and see what it means for God's people to gather together. 
and to be in a covenant promised relationship not only with Christ, but one another. For the remainder of my time this morning, I want to look at three challenges that this church faces to corporate worship. Three challenges that West Lenore Baptist Church faces in relation to corporate worship. There are more, but these three, and I'm going to present these, not necessarily in order of priority or order of, of rank, but I want you to think seriously about these and how they are affecting our corporate worship. And that's what I want to do with my remainder of the time. And when I use the word challenge, I'm talking about things that work against us being a body of believers who worship biblically together. Things that compete against us worshiping the Lord biblically as the body of Christ. Please make note of these. And I want you to pay close attention. Remember to Psalm 29, we are to give unto the Lord the glory due unto His name. We are to worship Him in the beauty of holiness. Remember Ephesians 1, 3-14, where the apostle said three times that everything that has been done for us and with us and in us, the result of that is to be our worship to Him. It is to be to the praise of His glory. Let me make this as simple as I can again, and I'm not just using preaching language. This is all to be about Jesus. This is all to be about Christ. All glory and honor and praise be about Him. The first challenge to corporate biblical worship is adopting whatever works. Now, the big word there would be pragmatism. But when a church adopts the mentality, let's do whatever works to get people here, to get offerings up, to get movement in a service, to get baptismal numbers up, to get certain things to happen, that is always a challenge to worshiping Christ biblically. Now, while I do not think, and I want to repeat this, I do not think West Lenore Baptist Church has ever given in to that particular challenge. I do think it's in the back or maybe even the front of a lot of people's minds. Because people sincerely, as I do myself, we want to see sinners saved. And we want to see the church full. And so if we're not careful, we're not willing to wait upon the Lord. But we want to do whatever works in order to see that Accomplish. Can I just tell you this morning as your pastor, we do not have biblical permission to do whatever works in order to see those things accomplished. As a matter of fact, salvation, and I didn't, this is not my statement, I'm borrowing this from uh, somebody in the Old Testament. Salvation is of the Lord. The Lord saves whom He will. And the Lord adds to His church daily such as should be saved. It is not up to us to implement something that will work outside of the Word of God. That's a real challenge to biblical corporate worship. I'm sure, and I said I don't, I'm not preaching against other churches, but you know this as well as I do. Churches begin every Lord's Day in their own fashion and manner in which they want to begin a service. Some it's like a pep rally at a high school football game. You know where a pep rally belongs? At a high school football game. That's where that belongs. Uh, but you know where worship and humility, 
You know where our minds need to get on God and not ourselves, or even how we feel? It is when we gather together to worship. We don't come through these doors thinking, I want to feel something. Come through these doors. I want to experience something today. We come into these doors with our hearts bowed before a holy and a righteous God. And we come in with a desire to give Him praise and honor and glory. If that results in a feeling, so be it. Thank God for it. But if it doesn't, He still is worthy of our glory and our honor and our praise. No way we can ever adapt or whatever works mentality. Preacher, do something. Pew 14's been empty for six months. Preacher, do something. God fill Pew 14 with sinners and save them that they may worship and adore you. Help me to witness to as many people as I can that you may bring in and save to that. Or I can go out and pack a pew Sunday. I can promise this and promise that. That's not the way it works. Great example of this, and I'll not read the text. You're familiar with it. Back over in 1 Chronicles chapter number 13, after the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy Ark of the Covenant, after the Ark of the Covenant had been displaced, and David, the man after God's own heart, he wanted to bring that Ark of the Covenant, which was an Old Testament symbol of the presence of Almighty God. David wanted to bring it back from Kirjath-Erim. He wanted to bring it back to Jerusalem where it belonged, but the Word of God has specifically said in Exodus 25, 13, and 14, and 1 Chronicles 15, it specifically said how that ark was to be carried. You've heard that preached. You've studied that in Sunday school. But they devised a new cart, and they devised a new way to bring the presence of God back to Jerusalem. And so David, with the right desire and motive, did something in the wrong way. He'd done it in a way that was dishonoring to God. Not because David did it with any flippancy or David did it with any immorality about him. David truly wanted that ark back in Jerusalem. But God had said that ark is to be carried by the priests and the Levites. And that ark is to be carried with poles inserted through the corner rings. But they did it a different way. They put it on a new cart. And when the oxen stumbled, Uzzah, you remember, reached up to touch it. And God smote him and killed him. Whatever works has never worked and it will not work now. The Lord adds to His church daily such as should be saved. And that should be our prayer. That God would add to His church. Whatever works never works. Whatever works has to be changed to something else in the future. That's the first challenge to biblical corporate worship. The second one, the second challenge is a consumer mindset. And I definitely believe this is affecting West Lenore Baptist Church. And part of the reason I believe this is because several people who over the past years have left our church have left because they wanted something they were not getting here or they were getting something they did not want here. And the bottom line of that is the expositional preaching of the Word of God. Now, if you're in a church where the Word of God's not preached, you ought to find a place to worship. But if you're at a place where the Word of God is being taught and the Word of God is being preached and biblical songs are being sung, God's people are loving you and challenging you to live for Christ, I don't know why you would want to be looking anywhere else. I can overlook a tear in the carpet. I can overlook a water fountain that's not cool. I can overlook a lot of things if my heart is being fed from the precious Word of God. 
But people have a consumer mentality. If you come to meet with God's people with that type of mindset, there will be no worship. Here are some of the evidences that you might have that mindset. Do I like the music? Do I like the preacher? Do I like my teacher? Was I greeted properly at the door? What ministries and events does this church have to offer me? Are the members here low class, middle class, or upper class? Do I feel something every time I'm there? If that's your criteria for a local church, you will never worship and honor the Lord. What we should be asking is, did the music and singing help me biblically worship God? Was the teaching and the preaching pointing me to my Savior? And was the gospel included, the message clear? Did I hear the gospel and biblical truth in every song we sang and every lesson that was taught? Did the preacher expound the text? I can't look at him, he's ugly, but he at least expounded the text. Did he give meaning to any portion of the Word of God? It, that's the questions that we need to be asking. And the preacher has to ask the same thing. I don't gauge you based on the fact of you doing what I think you ought to do. I preach the Word to you, and what you do with that Word is between you and God. But a consumer mindset really challenges a church from biblical, biblical corporate worship. We cannot come in here and think of ourselves as consumers. If you want to have it your way, Burger King is over here at Smith's Crossroads. You go have it your way, and I guarantee you after COVID, you won't have it your way anywhere you go. If you come in here as an audience to watch me perform, you will never worship God. If you sit in a Sunday school class as an audience looking at the teacher doing his or her thing, or if you're just sitting there looking at a choir doing their thing, none of that leads to worship. You begin to look at everybody as a performer or everybody as an entertainer. We are not an audience. You are not an audience sitting here today waiting on somebody to do something for you. I remind you, holy God is our audience. He is looking on us. He is listening at us to glorify Him, to magnify Him, to hear His name exalted. He's not looking down here to see me perform. He's not looking to see how gifted and clever you and I are in what we do. He's not looking at any of that. He is listening for His name to be glorified. And whether that be with an audible amen or whether it be with a humble thank you Jesus in your own heart unto Him or thank you Lord for redeeming me, adopting me and placing me in your family. God is paying attention to us today and corporate worship gives that to Him in a way that nothing else does in this world. Nothing. It's designed by God. Do you remember Jesus' words to the people in John 6, 26? When they had followed Him, you remember He got away from the crowd, went over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and the next morning they were over there with Him. You remember that story in John 6? Jesus said to them in verse 26, Ye seek Me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. You remember that? Let me paraphrase that. Jesus said, you didn't follow me for the miraculous power that could change your life. You followed me because I was giving you fish and hush puppies. You followed me for what you could get out of it. And you remember his powerful words, labor not for meat that perisheth. 
Labor not for meat that perisheth, but for that that endures unto everlasting life. If you are laboring when you come into corporate worship just for a feeling, just for an emotion, just for a sensation, or just for a satisfaction that you have got what you crave for, you're craving for meat that will perish. As soon as you're out the door and the feeling's over, the emotion's uh, done away with, the goose goose pimple has departed, brother, you're alone. But thank God when you leave here having worshipped God and having desired to glorify Him for His everything, everlasting life you have something that will strengthen you and help you and want to make you gather again with God's people and sing and praise him and rejoice in him and glorify him for who he is and for all that he's done a consumer mindset had left this people without any spiritual comprehension does that not define us this morning we are a people with a consumer mindset and we have no spiritual comprehension. These people that followed Jesus, they, had, they, they were following Him for full stomachs, not for full hearts. They really were missing something in their life. Dr. Vance Hebner, whom I often quote, was preaching one day on the book of Amos, and he was making this statement where Amos had went up to Bethel. Dr. Hebner said this, and I quote, Amos didn't go to Bethel to make God's Word acceptable. He went to Bethel to make it available. Brother, Amos didn't have a consumer mindset. He didn't didn't have a pragmatism about him. He wasn't looking for whatever worked. He went up there to give the capital city. He went up there to give them the Word of God. Worship is not about you and me making things acceptable to us. It's not about that. It's you and I coming together and God making available to us this wonderful privilege to worship and to honor and glorify His name. Third, Remember these three challenges. Number one, the challenge is whatever works or pragmatism. Number two, the consumer mindset. Number three, and this is a big one, traditionalism. Traditionalism. It's a challenge to biblical corporate worship. Why is that, preacher? Because we assume that what we've always done is the perfect way to do it. And I don't care which local congregation you go in, Most people assume that everything we do is exactly like God wanted it done. We just assume that, especially those of us who were raised in one church or been in a church most of our entire life. Some of you have been here your entire life. You've been here all your life, and you've never been in another church, maybe for a funeral or wedding or something, or maybe a revival service. So you just assume that this is the way that it's supposed to be done. for, For instance, what if we've been doing it wrong for 40 years? I'm not saying we have, but I promise you this, this church or no church has ever done it perfectly. Traditionalism. Traditionalism is the upholding or the maintenance of customs, belief, things we pass on from one generation to the other. Traditionalism means we resist change. Now before I deal with this, let me say there are biblically sound traditions that should be maintained and passed from one generation to another. There are things happening right here and have happened here. They were happening here before I arrived. They'll be here after I'm gone. That should be passed from one generation to the other. I agree with that. I've just, we're just finishing up in Timothy. And Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he said, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. There are traditional things in churches that should be passed from one generation to the other. 
Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2.15 told the young Thessalonian church, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which we have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, I've heard that text preached that they're to hold to heaven homecoming at a certain week out of the year and revival two other weeks out of the year. That's not what Paul was talking about. Hold the traditions. Hold the Word of God. Hold those things. The Thessalonians were in danger of losing their grip on the apostles' teaching. And Paul said, hold on to those things. Hold them fast. Don't let the culture or the world or anything take that from you. We are to hold on to those traditions that are biblical. And I know some of you sitting here today, several of you, many of you, over the past years have told me when you witnessed to your children and your grandchildren, you tell them the importance of being in God's house on the Lord's day, and their answer to you is, well, well Mama or Papa or whoever they call you, that's, that was your culture. That's the way it was back in your day. Okay? No, that's the way it is in this day. Why? Because that's not an unbiblical tradition. That is a biblical tradition. That is a biblical principle that God's people meet together. That doesn't change with the culture. That doesn't change with the culture. It's in the Word of God. The Thessalonians were to hold fast. But it's difficult to call a people to biblical corporate worship when we think we are worshiping as God intended simply because we're doing the same things we've always done. If what we've done is biblical, continue. Amen? If what we're doing is not biblical... Stop it. If there's something we've never done that's biblical, start doing it. If there's something we're doing that's not biblical, stop it. That's how you magnify and give God glory and give Him praise that's due unto His great name. Do you ever think the Lord looks down and says, What are they doing? Why are they doing this? Or why are they not doing this? We have proven you can take offerings in the vestibule or you can pass plates. Now, I know this is going to throw some of you. You can actually send it electronically. Now, my culture rejects that. God ain't in that, is He? When God said, I've heard this preached. When God said, bring your tithes, there wasn't no internet. Amen. I've heard that preached. Now, I know. Wasn't no offering plates either, probably, but. Those are just traditional things. But when a people think they have done or think what they're doing, and that's been my one pet peeve, and that's been, my, that's been the one thing I've struck out after for the last several years, I've lost many friends over it, is the fact that, that the revival that people say we need today, the revival, and Brother Brandon may mention that tonight because his, his ministry has a lot to do with that, but the revival that we say we need today is not a revival back to an old-time way or not a revival back to some traditional thing. What we need is a revival back to seeing the magnificence and majesty of our God and bowing before Him in humility and worship and praise. That's what we need. Not just going back to some tradition. Jesus had a strong word for this, Mark 7, 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. 
Paul told the Colossians in Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. If we are the local church, if we are the redeemed, if we are the ones that have been saved by God's grace, and if God has told us in His Word how He wants to be worshipped, don't you think we ought to do that? And how are we going to do that? By knowing His Word and knowing what He wants us to do. Scripture calls all people to love, serve, obey, and worship Jehovah God and the one true God. There's no other God to be worshipped in this world but Jehovah God. Worship is the purpose of life. It's an engagement with God on His terms that He's established in His Word. Because Christ gave Himself for us and we're gathered here as His bride, we offer Him not only our Sunday mornings, we offer Him our whole lives. Romans 12:1, a living sacrifice. But a life of worship involves the assembling with God's people. Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, he told the Corinthians, When ye come together in the church, the scriptural evidence is overwhelming, church. God's people came together just like we came together here this morning. They did that in the Bible, and that's why we do it today. The entire gathering is worship. The entire get our being here is worship. We come in, we worship. We're worshiping by coming. Because we're obeying and we're giving God glory. God is glorified when His people is gathered. He's glorified by that. So we're glorifying Him whenever we gather. The entire gathering is worship. Not just the singing. Not just the teaching. Not just the preaching or the music. We worship in all the above and everything in between. God ministers to us and allows us to worship Him. And He does it for His own glory. Now, are we blessed? Well, absolutely we're blessed. Yes. Do we sometimes sense and feel His presence? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I used to go home. I used to, I used to go home even when I was pastoring. I'd go home because some preacher told me that if I didn't feel what he felt, I hadn't worshipped God. I want to thank God for the day that I got over that. Brother, it ain't about what the preacher feels, or what somebody else feels. It's about you knowing you've obeyed Him. You've obeyed Him this morning. And you've gathered with God's people. And you're blessed by being here, but it's all to the glory of His name. Lord willing, next Sunday we'll search the Scriptures and see who gathers, who it is that gathers. We'll see why we gather. We'll see what we do when we are gathered. Do we praise Him by raising the right hand, left hand? Or both hands? Or do we praise Him by raising one halfway and one full? You say, what are you talking about? Oh, there are denominations built on those, th those kind of statistics. We're going to see what the Bible We're going to see what God's people did. And what God's people did that God said He was glorified in. Here's another big question. Don't you think we ought to be doing that too? Would you along with me be willing this morning to, to question every tradition and everything we do? here at Western Orr Baptist Church to see if it's biblical in regard to worship? Would you be willing to do that with me as your pastor this morning? Would you, along with me, be willing to pray that God make our worship biblical? That's not a difficult prayer, is it? Lord, 
make our worship biblical. I know you don't think we should have golden calves up here, none of that stuff, or idols. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things that can interfere with true corporate biblical worship. And would you, along with me, ask God to help you think biblically about worship and not with a consumer mindset, not out of tradition, but think about worship biblically. Now, if you already are convinced that everything we do in wor- that everything you do and everything we do is absolutely 100% biblical, you're going to have problems with this. It's not like we think because it's more about us sometimes than it is about him. Do you think we should think biblically about sin? Would everybody agree with me we should think biblically about sin? What about salvation? Should we think biblically about salvation, or should we just say, well, whatever we got to do to get people? Let me ask you this one. Should we think biblically about sexuality? Should we think biblically about what God says about males and females, or should we just throw that out the window? Then why not think biblically about corporate worship? Because everything we do flows out of that. Could I quote the words of the great John the Baptist before I pray? I must decrease, but he must increase. Biblical corporate worship. This is your family. Good, bad, rich, poor, ugly, beautiful, upper class, lower class, middle class, Private school, public school, government school, no school. Employed, unemployed, healthy, unhealthy. Wise, unwise. This is your family. This is the people that God's put you with and put me with. We are the local corporate body of Christ here at West Lenore. I'm not here by my own choosing, neither are you really. You're here by God's divine appointment. And if someday the Lord should lead you somewhere else, you should marry and move to another local church, or you should take a job in another city and move somewhere, or if for whatever reason the Lord may lead you to another place, may you know what corporate worship is and worship that glorifies and honors God. And may every one of us at some point in our life Say, I'd love to be back at West Lenore, not just for the preaching or the singing or the blah, 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 but I'd love to be back there because I could worship the Lord there with God's people. That's what it's about, worshiping Him. Join me in these prayers, if you will. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your word, Lord, although we didn't expound the text per se. Thank you for the psalmist who told us we were to worship you in the beauty of holiness. Thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, reminding them that everything that you had done for them, their salvation, Lord, their their redemption, forgiveness, Lord, their choosing, their uh, adoption, all the things that we read about down through that text, Lord, you did all of that to the praise of your glory. And so help us to understand that whatever we have here today, that we have in Christ and the relationships that we have with each other, it's all because of you and because of your mercy and love. And we thank you. Now help me as a pastor and help this congregation to think biblically about worship. 
to think biblically about this thing of worship. I pray you would show us all anything and everything that we are doing that is nothing more than tradition. I pray you would help us, Lord, to see anything we're doing that's based on uh, consumerism or wanting our own way. Help us, Father, to always avoid the danger of implementing something just because it looks like on the surface that it works. Help us to be careful to understand that if the ark is going to be carried, the poles have to go through the rings like you ordained and wrote. And if West Lenore Church worships, help us to make sure we get the poles in the rings and nobody invents a new cart for a challenging day. We believe what you have told us in your word will work. and We believe no matter how desperate and dark and depraved the culture is and will remain or get worse in the days to come, we believe that you have a people and you have a church. You will one day come and receive us under yourself that where you are we'll be with you. And we believe that until you call us home, you will do as your son prayed. You will keep us from evil and you will help us to be your church. Help us to do that, Father, for your glory and for your honor. Help us to love each other, to pray for one another. And we thank you for each one that's here, for those unable to be with us. We have many brothers and sisters in Christ who are physically unable to be here. Lord, we have members who no longer remember what pew they sat on years ago, but they are still our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray for them. We pray, Father, that in the, in the darkness of their mind, that you and you alone would remind them, Lord, they belong to you. And may this church continue to love them. For those that are out in sin, we pray for their forgiveness and restoration. For those that identify with us but have never been born to really be among the church, I pray for their salvation. And I pray you would help us to live as we bring glory and honor to your great name. Thank you for giving yourself for your church. Thank you for loving your church and dying for your church, for raising for your church, for being seated this morning at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Thank you for that. And thank you for the promise that you're going to come and get us. And we long and look for that day. Help us now as we go our separate ways. Got our service this evening. May all be done to your glory and honor. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.